Welcome to Abide's Kids Bedtime Stories. I'm Tyler Boss. Today's story is brought to you by our partners at Life Audio. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you will find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. Head over to lifeaudio.com now. Remember, you can have full access to all our meditations commercial-free. Just text ABIDE to 22433 for 25% off. All right, it's time to settle into bed and drift off to sleep with this bedtime story. Welcome to this Abide Sleep Story. We're glad and honored you've decided to join us tonight as you go to sleep. Come on with me to one of my favorite places and meet one of my favorite people. We call her Granny Edith, and I've known her since I was, so oh, just a child. She's not my real granny, but she's always been there, with a story and a song, and sometimes a story about a song. And oh, how she loves Jesus, and she wants you to love him too. Her porch is the happiest place I've ever been, and if you try real hard, I just bet you can smell whatever it is she's baking tonight. You just settle in, and Granny Edith will be right here. Welcome to my port, one of my favorite places in the world. That might not seem like much, but I'm a pretty old lady, and I've been all over the world in my time. Right now, I'm so glad to be here with you. I'm going to get myself settled in here with a glass of sweet tea. Why don't you get yourself settled into your space there and... I'll tell you what happened to me today. Get your pillow where you need it and get comfortable. I don't know if you need to lie back, sit up, or roll over to get comfortable, but go ahead. I'll wait a tick until you're ready. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. How's that? Well, if you're comfortable, I'll get started. Before I do, how's about I say a prayer for both you and me? I think praying is a good way to start the day, and it's a great way to end the day. It's also a good way to spend the day. Sometimes I'm all alone here in the big old house my daddy built, but when I talk to God, which is what praying is, I don't feel so lonely. So I'll pray now. Dear God, I thank you for today. I thank you for bringing me and my friends safely to this time. I'm so grateful that they could join me tonight. It's so nice to have company and I pray that I will have a calming effect on them. Maybe help them fall asleep. 
That's okay with me. Give them peace of mind and heart and your spirit of rest. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I don't know what kind of day you had, but I sure hope it was a good one. It may have been busy or it may have been boring. I don't know. Let me just assure you, it's over now and you can rest. And, like I love reminding people, rest is a gift from God. He rested himself on the seventh day of creation, and he commands us to rest too. It's good for us, and it's bad when we don't rest. Now today is one of those days where I look forward to settling back to sleep in a short time. I had a little excitement today. I'll tell you all about it. I went walking to the grocery store in town today to get some fresh fruit and a few other various sundries. Wouldn't you know it, while I was crossing the street, my pull cart, which I used to transport my things, got caught up in a hole in the road. I've told Mayor Zaxby that those holes need some attention, but they seem too busy with other things to actually get to them. Anyway, while I was pulling my cart out of the pothole, a pickup truck came tearing around the corner. For, for a second, I thought it might actually bump into me, but the driver managed to slow down and even turn out of the way. Everything was just fine. I gave the driver a nice friendly wave and he was on his way without any fuss. Still, my friend Mary saw the whole thing and got a bit excited. She came running over and said, I can't believe they didn't hit you. It was a miracle. She was so excited you'd think something terrible had taken place. But it really wasn't so bad. Still, it made me think about miracles. People go to talking about miracles all the time these days. Everything is a miracle. My great-grandson passes a test he didn't study for and says, It's a miracle. My neighbor drives home in the fog and says, It's a miracle I made it home safely. Or my friend Mary actually arrives on time for our Bible study, and the other ladies all say, Be still, my soul. Mary is on time. It's a miracle. <laughs> Well, I believe in miracles, but those things aren't actually miraculous. They're just a little unusual. <laughs> Take what happened to me today. A truck comes round that there corner and almost runs me down, but he manages to slow down and turn out of the way. <laughs> I know that sounds pretty exciting, and I'm not going to say my guardian angel didn't have to take a nap afterwards, but that wasn't a miracle. That was a driver paying attention to where he was going. He used his brakes and his steering wheel and kept from hitting me. I'm thankful to God for the way things turned out, but a miracle? <laughs> a miracle would have been if that pickup truck would have flown up 30 feet in the air, floated over me, and set itself down nicely on the other side of the street without disturbing anyone. That would have been a miracle. <laughs> oh, 
my. Oh, don't get me wrong. Like I said, I believe in miracles. The Bible is full of them. And I know God still does his thing with us in this world. But not every great thing that happens is a miracle. And I'm not saying God isn't watching out for us. He's definitely doing that, too. Sometimes he does things to remind us that he's there, paying attention to us and keeping us safe. But let's look at what the Bible tells us about miracles. There's lots of examples, too. I think this is going to be fun. <laughs> There's a verse in the Bible of Deuteronomy. It's chapter 10, verse 21. It goes like this. He is the one you praise. He is your God who performed for you those great and awesome wonders you saw with your own eyes. Now that there verse and that whole book of Deuteronomy was written by Moses, the guy who brought the children of Israel out of Egypt when they were slaves. He's the guy who stood in front of Pharaoh and said, Let my people go. He's the guy whose staff turned into a snake by the power of God. Now that's a miracle. In that story, Moses was standing before Pharaoh, and he set his staff down, and it turned into a snake. Pharaoh's magicians did a trick to make it look like their staffs turned into snakes. Apparently, this was something magicians could do in those days. I don't know how. One thing I do know, those magicians never picked up their snakes. Moses did. Not only did Moses pick his snake back up, but it had devoured those other snakes. That's a pretty good trick. That's closer to what I would call a miracle. Only God could have done that. And then there was the time after the children of Israel left Egypt and were stopped by the Red Sea. God miraculously opened up the Red Sea and created a path down the middle, a dry path. Now that's not something Moses or any man could have done. That's a miracle. And he knew just when to stop. At the same time, the whole Egyptian army was coming after the Israelites. The water came back and washed that whole army away. Now that's a miracle. I would have liked to have seen that. <laughs> so when Moses says, He is the one you praise, He is your God who performed for you those great and awesome wonders you saw with your own eyes, he knows what he's talking about. See, God took care of the children of Israel. They were people he chose, and he never gave up on them, even when they gave up on him. And there are so many times that the children of Israel should have faded away from this earth, but they haven't. They're still an important part of our world, and to me, they're one of the proofs of God. The fact that they're still around is a miracle. 
Only God could have made that happen. Many times when we think of miracles, we think of what Jesus did while he was walking the earth, and there were plenty of those. The Bible tells us that at a wedding in Cana, they ran out of wine, and Mary, Jesus' mother, asked him to do something about it. So he asked the servants to fill up some big pots with water as high as they could. The servants did that. And when the master of the party dunked his cup in to taste it, it was the best wine he'd ever had. Water into wine? That's a miracle only God can do. Another time, he met up with a man who had leprosy, a very serious and contagious disease. In fact, there were laws about even being near someone with leprosy, but Jesus didn't run away when the man came to speak with him. The fellow said he knew Jesus could make him clean if he was willing. Jesus reached out, touched him, and said, I am willing. Be cleansed. The man was healed that very moment. That's a miracle. Right after that, Jesus arrived in Capernaum, and a Roman centurion, a fellow who commanded 100 men, approached him and said that his servant was lying at home very sick. He approached Jesus respectfully and asked him to heal that servant. Jesus was so impressed with this Roman soldier that he healed him without even going to see him. Jesus didn't even have to go to his house to heal that servant. That's amazing. That's a miracle. The Bible says right after that, Jesus went to his disciple Peter's house. It just so happened that Peter's wife's mother was in bed, sick with a fever. Jesus touched her hand, just touched her hand, and the fever left her. The Bible says she got up and waited on him. I suspect she was thankful, and she showed it in a very real way. Like when Doc Romer helped me, I sent him a plate of my award-winning macaroons, because I know he likes them. I made them special for him. But Jesus wasn't done with his miracles. The Bible says he healed many, many people. He loves us all so much that he wants the best for us, always. But Jesus had control over so much more than sick people. One time, not long after he healed Peter's mother-in-law in Capernaum, he and his disciples were in a boat. I'm assuming on the Sea of Galilee, and a fierce storm came up. The disciples were all worried, but Jesus was sleeping. Clearly, he wasn't worried. <laughs> Seems like he was setting a good example for us. Even in the midst of our troubles, we shouldn't forget to rest. Anyway, Jesus was sleeping, so the disciples woke him up. They said, save us. 
Well, Jesus looked at them and said, Why are you so timid, you men of little faith? Then it says he rebuked the wind. That means he shouted at it and told it to stop. Wouldn't you know, the sea became perfectly calm. The disciples with him were amazed. They couldn't believe that even the winds and the sea obeyed Jesus. No man could have done that. There's another story I like a lot, all about another miraculous healing Jesus did. You can read about it in the Bible, the book of John, chapter 9. Jesus was in Jerusalem, the capital where the temple was, and he came upon a guy who had been blind since he was born. Now his disciples asked Jesus if this man had sinned or if his parents had sinned, as if that was what made the poor man blind. <laughs> but Jesus said it was neither one. He said the man had been born blind so that the works of God could be displayed in him. Imagine that, being blind all your life so that God could heal you. So Jesus spit on the ground, made a little clay with it, and put it on the man's eyes. That seems a little strange by itself, but then he told the man to go wash in a pool of water called Siloam. I always imagined this guy with mud on his eyes walking through Jerusalem looking for the pool. <laughs> Whatever it looked like, he found the pool, washed it off, and he could see. Jesus healed him. What happened next was interesting, too. Apparently, many people recognized this man and were wondering how he had regained his sight. Well, he was happy to tell them all about the man who had healed him. It didn't take long to get back to the religious leaders who already didn't like Jesus very much. And there's a part of the story I didn't tell you yet. The day Jesus healed the blind man was the Sabbath, the day of rest. The Jews had strict rules about what you could and could not do on the Sabbath. And apparently spitting on the ground, making clay, and healing this man was more work than Jesus was supposed to do on that day. I mean to say, imagine getting upset with Jesus doing all this on the Sabbath when Jesus was the one who created the law in the first place. <laughs> to think, Jesus is God. Oof. But these religious leaders weren't following the actual law that God gave to Moses. They were following the traditions that men had made up since Moses' time. When Jesus told his disciples that the man was born blind so that the works of God could be displayed in him, part of what he was saying was, these guys making all these rules just don't understand why God gave them the rules. It wasn't so they could catch someone breaking them. It was so God would be glorified and we would be better off for following them. And you know what doctors and scientists say now? That we should take a day off and rest. Well, God said that thousands of years ago. That's why I like to remind my friends that rest is a gift from God. Anyway... One of my favorite parts of the story happened when the religious men came to see the man born blind. 
the one that could see now. They said that he should be giving glory to God and that they knew that Jesus was a sinner. I just love what that man said to the religious leaders. He said, Whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that whereas I was blind, now I see. I can imagine him thinking, You guys never did anything to make me see again, but this guy put clay mud on my eyes and now I can see. Those religious leaders were worried, and I have a feeling that some of them knew that Jesus was the Messiah, the Son of God. They said, Never since the beginning of time has a man born blind been made to see. That was a miracle of Jesus and one that proved he was exactly who he said he was. Because of that, we should know that we can count on Jesus. Now, I've said a couple times that I know God still does miracles, and I truly believe that. I've seen people healed who doctors had said would never get better. I've heard stories of things happening that defy the laws of nature. And I've heard stories of people having dreams where Jesus comes and talks to them, especially in parts of the world where being a Christian isn't safe. We always need to remember that nothing is impossible for God. If he'd decided to lift up that truck that almost hit me and set it down safely today, he could have done it. Remember, nothing is impossible for God. He took care of those Israelites when they left Egypt. And he'll take care of you and me for his glory. He is the one you praise. He is your God who performed for you those great and awesome wonders you saw with your own eyes. All right, I'm going to say a prayer and let you go to sleep. And then I'm going to get some sleep myself. That little bit of excitement today really took a lot out of this old girl. Dear God, you are a God of miracles, and you are a God of love. I know you take care of us, just like you took care of the Israelites with Moses. Give us a good night of sleep. Be with my friend and give them the rest they need. Tomorrow may be a big day with many blessings for them. I pray you will make them ready for whatever you have in store. I thank you for the time we could spend together. I thank you for every friend I have. And I ask that you would bless them. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Good night, my friend. Come back any time you want. You're always welcome on my porch. Good night. Good night, my friend. Sleep well. And come back and see Granny Edith again soon. She has many more stories to tell. Thank you.